1: and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Moson.
3: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. Last week, I put out a call for advice for my single listeners who want to meet someone to marry. I got a ton of tips, but I wanted to sort through them all so that I wasn't telling single people to, you know, put yourself out there or get on the apps, advice they've heard a million times, and that probably makes them like murderous at this point. I will tell you that a lot of people suggested similar stuff. And so I'll tell you what that is. One thing that came up a lot was going to church and obviously translate that into your own house of worship if you're not a Christian. And that generally sounds like a great idea to me. You're more likely to meet someone a bit more serious and interested in something actually real at church, right? Another piece of advice that many shared was to get off the apps, And I approve of this one, obviously, and I've talked about it on the show before. The apps become like a video game. They take away the urgency to meet someone because you can just keep swiping. Having said that, I think they can be useful for at least creating a pool of people to date, especially if you work from home or generally don't get the ability to meet a lot of dateable people. I would treat the apps as a step in the process and not like the whole process. Take it offline as quickly as possible. Once you do meet someone on an app, see if there's an actual real life attraction as early as you can. Because I think that's one of the biggest things. People spend a lot of time talking to somebody on the app and they'll think that they're attracted, but then they'll meet in real life and realize that they're not. So I would suggest just using the apps in a limited fashion. Tim Carney, who will be on the show next month when his latest book comes out, and whose brother John Carney was on the show this past Monday, suggested throwing house parties. He said, one per month, and go out of your way to make sure friends of friends come. He said, if you're the host, every girl who shows up is happy to talk to you. And, you know, that's a great idea. I think as people get older, that gets tougher to accomplish. But If you're of an age where you can have a bunch of people over to your place, have people bring friends, and that's a really good way to meet people. One Twitter response from someone called Hostage Hoyser, Hostage Hoyser, I think that's I'm saying it correctly, was, young ladies, stake out the engineering department at your local university. The goods are odd, but the odds are good. Now, I'm not commenting on the oddness of engineers here, but I like this one a lot because it is always good to put yourself in a situation where you can meet multiple dateable people and see who you like. My hobbies, politics and poker, were always very male-dominated. I'd go hear speakers at New York political events and men outnumbered women by a lot. And I have often been like the only woman at a poker table. For a man, that might translate to like a dance class or a cooking class just somewhere where women will outnumber men by a lot and you'll get to meet kind of a lot of women all at the same time and possibly hit it off with one. My last idea is to make sure that your friends know that you want to get set up. I have some friends that love to be set up and some that very much don't. Knowing which ones are into being introduced will help your friends think of you when they come across someone interesting. I know none of these suggestions are rocket science. My goal here is to motivate you if you're single and don't want to be to go take a chance and to live your life in a purposeful way so that you can meet your person. My final thought is that if you're trying to meet someone, nothing will hold you back more than still seeing or talking to or worst hooking up with someone you used to be with. It will... Lull you into a feeling that you're with someone when you're really just wasting your time. Coming up next, an interview with John Bachman. Join us after the break.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Newsmax anchor and host, John Bachman. You can watch his new show streaming noon to 2 p.m. Eastern every day on Newsmax 2. Thanks for coming on, John.
4: Carol, I'm so excited to do this with you.
2: I'm so happy you're here. So I have to say... I feel like you have a very made-for-TV look. Like, even if I didn't know you, I'd be like, that guy is on TV. Um, Do you get recognized a lot?
4: I don't get recognized a lot. I mean, I do get recognized. But the more common thing that happens, and you might be able to talk about this, too, because, you know, you're certainly in the same, uh, you know, arena, is people will just look at you and you wonder, do they actually recognize me? Sometimes I'm reminded, like humbled, because I'll leave straight from work with makeup on my face and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm at Home Depot and somebody recognizes me or they see me and look at me when really they think they're just looking at me because I'm a guy wearing makeup at Home Depot. I think that happens more often than actually people recognizing me. But it does depend on where I am. And I'm always, again, humbled when people do recognize me and come up to me and they talk about the fact that they appreciate what I do or uh, which which does happen from time to time, so that keeps me going.
2: Yeah, I like when people look at me and they're like, did we go to high school together? Like, no, <laughs> that's, that's not it. That's not where you know me yeah,
5: from. No, yeah.
2: So, so you have this hit show. You're obviously doing amazing. Um, I know you have a beautiful family. Um, do you feel like you've made it?
4: No, and I thank you for for making <laughs> sure I was ready for this question. And, I mean, there's just, I mean, I don't know how anyone with, multiple kids can ever feel like they've made it because, you know, I think everyone is challenged in a different way and it's all for the better. I mean, I think, you know, you can attest to this is that, you know, having kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding things anybody can ever do. And those two things, things go hand in hand. Um, So, you know, there are moments of calm and I really try to appreciate those moments, but more often than not, it's like crazy schedules and travel basketball and, you know, coordinating all that stuff. And it just, life feels chaotic. But uh, I mean, just walking in here today, for example, my son had Froot Loops in the back seat and he spilled them all over the back seat. And I used to get mad about that stuff, but now you realize like, you know, someday you're not going to have to clean up the Froot Loops anymore.
2: Yeah, and, you we're know, all you start waiting to on that day over that. here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when they go to college or? Yeah, like...
4: maybe never, maybe never. <laughs> but, you know, you, you realize you're, you serve a purpose greater than yourself. And that's, that's what you try to take away from this day. Just keep your sanity about this stuff
2: yeah it's funny because for me whenever i succeed at like a week of you know taking them to sports and getting everything done that's when i feel like i've made it that's when i'm yeah. like i am a success like look at me you know ordering the groceries and having everything in the fridge and like you know getting everybody where they need to be on time those are my most successful days i think
4: i, I couldn't agree more and especially the days when you can get everybody around the dinner table at the same time mm-hmm. and you have everyone's focus because again my kids are still young enough my oldest is 12 now and you realize like how fleeting that that is when you can actually accomplish that those types of moments so and and it makes me just appreciate and and respect my parents all the more for being able to do that on a regular basis get me and my sister to sit down and have Mm -hmm. family meals uh it's hard to overstate how important and how much i appreciate that those types of things
2: and, it, and it's harder than it looks. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, for a long time, it was like, oh, we have dinner together every night. And I'd be like, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but then the kids hit an age when they all have activities and sports and, you know, you have activities also. Um, and it does get harder. And I, I am proud of myself when we're able to do it. So I, I completely get that. Is your oldest one a boy or a girl?
4: My oldest is a girl. And um, I always joke around with my wife that, She's like a starter kit for first-time parents because she was just so easy <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the other. T-
2: the trick baby. I have one of those yeah, also. Yes. So something about yeah. the oldest,
4: I guess. They give you kind of like an on-ramp mm-hmm. into parenting. But yeah, she is, um, you know, great student, really great athlete, um, very respectful, um, could have a room a little more clean, but uh, if <laughs> sure. we're going to nitpick, that's my nitpicking. My
2: oldest is a 13-year-old girl and I keep waiting for her to be teen angsty and not like us. And so far so good. I mean, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm not, you know, counting anything out for the future years, but I was a nightmare as a teenager and I I keep waiting for her to be the same. Like, when is she going to like get into like black nail polish and like goth rock or something? She's like this bubbly, you know, almost 14 year old who likes like Taylor Swift. Yes.
4: And, well, I, I said 12. I think my daughter's 13, 13 years old. I should do that. I sh- I'm doing like the the uh, Kamala Harris math, I guess. <laughs> she was born in 2011. <laughs> it's 2024 now, or she will be 13. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all blur. It is all blur.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all a blur. It's all a very fast moving blur. So if you weren't in TV, what would be what would you be doing? What would be plan B career? Oh,
4: man. You know, if you would have asked me that question a long time ago, it might be different now, but my answer, the best answer I could give you is something with my hands. You know, might hmm. be in a trade, something like a plumber or electrician, you have a couple of those calls come out to your house in an emergency situation, you really start to value people in the yeah. trades. Either that or doing something with food, I think. Um, I did work as a cook in a restaurant when I was in high school for a brief period of time, and it was backbreaking hard work, especially when you work the fry station. But I do love to cook. And, you know, the, it's especially for the family. I guess it's different in a work environment, but it might be something like that. Because the, the enjoyment you see when people are enjoying what you cook is, is a feeling that's hard to replicate.
2: Yeah, I love that because it's so practical. Those are like things people need. Well, things I've needed know. for
4: sure, <laughs> meet, at least with the food and need on the table. Plumbers' base. food. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you enjoy cooking
4: most? Um, you know, probably barbecue like most men my age, the whole right. smoked meat or grill mm-hmm. or fire, that primal instinct uh, to do stuff like that. Um, and then aside from that, I love Mexican food. And my oldest daughter mm-hmm. and I have a, a little kind of you know hobby where we try to find all these taco stands um, all over South oh, Florida and try the pastor tacos and whatever else they have to offer. So there's, you know, one of the great things is I'm sure you've already discovered about living in South Florida is the Cultural diversity when it comes to food is kind of, um, you know, I, I, maybe not as good as New York, but it's 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 mm-hmm. certainly got its own thing going for it.
2: I'm going to have to get that taco truck map from you because, I you know, there is a lot of cultural diversity here in food, um, but I I don't know. Maybe I just haven't explored enough because I think I need I need to see some more. Especially taco trucks is definitely something I I feel like I haven't hit enough of. So I'm gonna get the jo- John Bachman map of taco trucks of South Florida. You All should right. sell that. I that should. I.
4: A... It could be. Maybe. Yeah, we <laughs> talked. Hit. We've actually talked about that. My daughter and I. She has her mm-hmm. own kind of like, you know, twelve year old vocabulary for rating these things. So I was like, you know, we should capitalize yeah. on that.
2: Awesome. Um, so. You talk about cultural issues, you talk about political issues on your show. If you had to sum up like what our largest cultural or societal issues are, what what would you say that, that would be?
4: I would say these things right here. Your phones, phones and the way we use our phones. I mean, um I remember getting my first iPhone and you know, it's become such an integral integral part of our lives, too much so, I think we have this cultural trend now where people are retreating further and further from actual human uh, interaction. Mm -hmm. I saw a joke uh, yesterday on X about like, you know, who actually picks up the phone to call. I think Elon Musk or somebody was, was writing about that and how, you know, texting is the preferred method of communication. And I think there is something lost by text when it's become a vital part of how I communicate with my team here, with my family and everything. And it's certainly more Mm -hmm. convenient, but, I think the less we interact on a human level face-to-face, the worse off we're going to be. And the biggest reason for less human interaction, I think, are those phones and the social media applications that we have on these phones. Um, I mean, you you just... It's like a complete retreat from all the advancement we've made as a civilization. And uh, until I think people realize... The analogy you often hear at times is we got to make kind of the cell phone, the smartphone like cigarettes, you don't want to ban it, but you don't, right. you know, there's certain places where you just don't smoke a cigarette nowadays, and that's accepted by everybody. And the, the phone just has this unbelievable ability to interrupt any moment that you have, you know, yeah. um, to interrupt your own thoughts. If you, you know, you're just taking a break from whatever you're zoning out. Um, you know, you just, it has the ability to interrupt all that stuff and just take you back to this kind of death cycle of negative, negative thoughts. And so I think as a culture, we've got to get away from using our phones so often. And it's a a, a struggle that I have every week when I get that little notification on my screen time for the week. Like one of the things I always try to, you know, base my week on is I got to do better. You know, I got to lower the screen time. So if I can have consecutive weeks of lower Mm -hmm. screen time, I really feel like I've accomplished something. I
2: heard this thing one time regarding texting that if texting had come out before phone calls, we would be really impressed with phone calls. Like, yeah, you can just call somebody up and just tell them what you need to say. You don't need to type anything. It's amazing.
4: Yes, it's um, so true. So true. Like we're going we backwards. Defaulted
2: to texting. I mean, I'm I'm definitely more into texting than phone calls. If somebody calls me, I'm like, what is happening here? Why why is my phone <laughs> ringing? You know, what what could they want? Um, do you take social media breaks?
4: Um, no, maybe I should I, I do try I, one of the things that I've just in the last six months I, I've really tried to do is not get on my phone on Sundays just you know try to take as much you know you have to check your phone especially nowadays we could be at war any moment yeah. and that would you know definitely change what I was doing in that moment but mm-hmm. um, you you just try to take moments you know take breaks periodically and not be on your phone and I you know Watching other people, I all, all the time when I'm driving to work in the morning, I see kids at the bus stop and like every single kid is standing around down looking at their phone, not interacting with each other, Yeah, you know, and, and that's like, you know, I just wonder what they're engaging in at that moment. And that's, right. you know, that's such a big influence on kids these days.
2: Yeah, it's depressing that they can't be bored. Like somebody, yeah. I saw this uh, on Instagram, you know, on social media, but whatever, um, where, you know, kids now have like in, in the car, they'll be on their phones or the, you know, there's TVs in the car now. Yep. Entertainment. And our entertainment when we were kids was like watching two raindrops race. I, and saw, seeing I saw, which saw that one, same thing
4: that guy <laughs> Which
2: one <laughs> would get to the bottom first? I saw
4: that same <laughs> clip where the guy was like, they had to invent a term for mindfulness. Like when I was a kid, right? That's what he said. We didn't have to be mindful. Yeah. We just watched two, you know, condensation drip down the window on the bus stop, and I felt that because I'd literally yeah. been in that moment, getting on your bus in the morning, nothing to do, you don't want to look at your homework, you just, and so like all you can do is like make little, you know, I used to make little footprints on the windows with my palms, yes. you know, on uh, the on the bus stop, yeah. and that was like mm-hmm. was. Invigorating, you know, exciting. Yeah,
2: I love those little footprints. I still do those <laughs> on my kids' showers whenever they have like condensation. I make the little footprint for them, and you know, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's really the problem is that they expect constant entertainment. Yeah. And I say they, but I mean us. Oh, because, totally. You I'm, know, I'm obviously, totally adults are just as bad, if not worse. Um, but at least when we were kids, or at least when I was a kid, um, I think you're probably younger than me, but you know, there was the boredom, which you just had to like live with, and you were bored and that was okay. And you read the back of, you know, product boxes <laughs> to entertain yourself, or you'd, you know, maybe even read a book, that would be, you know, what you did. And I feel like this generation, I, we try to keep our kids, I mean, I'm not saying we're perfect. They come home, they, they're on their iPads, you know, it definitely happens. But in restaurants, for example, they don't get to use their phones or anything like that. Um, I I see now on the beach people handing their kids iPad mm-hmm. and that really kills me. Like you're on a beach, you're in South Florida. Look how beautiful everything is, and you you live in this magical place where you're visiting and you're on an iPad. And it just I think there need to be some boundaries, um, not just for kids but for us. I, I do this thing where I take my you know Twitter off my phone because that's my big addiction. Is mm-hmm. that your
4: oh totally Twitter key one? and Instagram now and I feel like this pressure to keep up on those two social media apps. It's part of my work requirement, you know, Mm -hmm. that we we use it for promotional purposes. It's part of my job. Um, But I also understand it's not real life. You know, it's really, I I just keep telling myself that over and over again. And, you know, something that I have to be conscious about. Just to to your point, again, I want to give my wife a lot of credit because she really made the decision when I was at work most of the time to just take our kids' devices away. Um, Mm -hmm. It was in kind of the peak of the pandemic. There was fear being just thrown at them all the time. And even if we had them on kids' YouTube, it still seemed like there were advertisements seeping in, just perpetuating this fear all the time. So we just, it was like taking pacifiers away from our kids too, very difficult in the short-term, but you saw the reward in the long-term. We just kinda, we got my 12-year-old daughter a phone, but there's no social media on it. I mean, I don't, I think, Again, going social media is like cigarettes too. there's no way a kid should have access to social media yeah. until their mind is is developed to a point where they can understand like really the differences between you know fiction and reality because you know that that image is all that stuff that is just pushed on social media. I think um, you know the Taylor Swift whole kind of thing is part of that, which I have my own feelings on, but it's um, and then it gets perpetuated because you know people, uh, that we interact with a lot. Some of them are just like viscerally angry about this this whole terror, Taylor Swift um, mm-hmm. conspiracy theory and things like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah I, you, gotta get, you gotta get these devices. Like, you know, yeah. I watch myself and I'm clearly addicted and I see my right. dad, you know, like I was in the car the other around Christmas time with my dad and my mm-hmm. daughter. Neither one of them are addicted to social media. And I just, I've just thought to myself, wow, that must be nice to not like feel this yeah. sensation right now to, to, had to be checking, my did my post this morning, get this many likes or whatever. So.
2: Right. We're going to take a quick break and be right back on The Carol Markowitz Show.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick, and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
3: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: My suggestion is that when you are on vacation and you're not at work and you don't have to be on it, take Twitter off your phone. That's what I do. And then you come back and you're refreshed and you like everybody again. And everybody seems like not as crazy as they were when you left. And it's, it's a really nice thing to just completely. And I'm, you know, I've said this on the, sh- on the show before, but I am such an addict that when I take it off my phone, I'm still like pressing the empty space where it used to be several times a day because I just can't like I, it, my I'm just my muscle memory is like, oh, where's where's my Twitter app? Um, but it's really good. And it, um, it it clears you up. But it also, again, makes the app more interesting and fun again briefly. But still, uh, it, it makes, you know, it makes a good change for you.
4: I, I will try. I'll give it a try. Yeah. Give it a so, what do you,
2: what do you think about the Taylor Swift? Where where are you? Um,
4: you know, on, I on the, I
2: yeah.
4: I think there's been more like ink spilled on this relationship, and it's almost like destined to fail because how can they ever possibly live up to the expectations that have been set for for them? Mm-hmm. You know, based on their popularity and all the challenges that come with a regular quote unquote uh, relationship. Now they have all the pressures of the world and the Swifties and the Chiefs fans and the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, I went into a, a sporting goods store yesterday and the only jersey, you know, they had on display was Travis Kelsey's jersey. And it just shows you like we're in Florida and, the, you know, the Super Bowls in Las Vegas. The teams are from San Francisco and Kansas City. And this right. is what is you know, being pushed. And um, I, I do think, though, like for all these conservatives that are mad or talking about this conspiracy theory um, about the script being written, et cetera. Like there's a legitimate alternative for conservatives to be happy about, and it's this guy, Brock Purdy, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, And I'm gonna talk about this a little bit today on the show. Mm-hmm. It's like this guy is a devout Christian. He is he was the last player selected in the NFL draft. I don't remember which year, but they call this guy Mr. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um he but he worked hard. He put in, he paid his dues, and now he's got a chance to become a Super Bowl champion. And that's like that's a classic American story. So right. I'm I'm, 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 I'm. What, I, what, my, my message for conservatives would be is like focus on that. If you really want to uh, walk, what you talk, like there's a legitimate story, uh, great storyline, great central character um, who's doing all the right things, and you could talk more about that than you talk about, you know, Taylor Swift and right. Travis Kelsey. So there's like this, you know, overwhelming desire. And I think again, this goes back to social media and all the um, societal pressure that kids and adults face these days is just to talk about one thing to get swept up in these types of things mm-hmm. and it perpetuates itself and it's like not healthy like th- that is not the ideal um that relationship yeah. is the ideal kids or adults should be seeking you know right she's like it's... take a private plane from tokyo back to the super bowl <laughs> and it's like nobody can do that we can't do that in our daily lives yeah. so let them be them and i'm actually pointing right. to them i don't know if you saw there's I think it was FOMO Capital, which is a Twitter feed. They were saying, "Here's what happens: uh, Travis Swift, I mean Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift get married. They have a bunch mm-hmm. of kids. It starts a baby boom. China collapses. Sure, you know, it, yeah. we and that's that's what we should all be rooting for. That that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey have like five kids. They go on right. to understand what it's like to try and bring up up the next generation. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift and Travis Kelsey both have conservative revivals and realize that the nuclear family." is really what we're missing here in this country. And it's all about. And then, and right. then they, you know, they become like, you know, Kirk Cameron and whatever. Yes. In the future.
2: Well, so I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I don't know if I could root for the 49ers. You
4: might have to, but it's not. I mean, people say like the, the the future of humanity. They've been
2: very bad to us, those 49ers. Well, the
4: future of humanity is in Brock Purdy's hands, unless you want to talk right. about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey.
2: Yeah. And that goes so, out to conservatives
4: is, who can't get over it either.
2: Right. The thing is, I, I, I don't think of them as... So I mean, especially Travis Kelsey, like I, the Kansas City Chiefs, the whole conspiracy theory where like, oh, they're being you know put up to win because of Taylor Swift. Like, have you seen the last few years of football? Right. They've won once or twice without her, and it's not about her. But
4: I mean, I, I am on a couple a- minds of this because, yeah. um, and not to get too too far down in the weeds on football, mm-hmm. but. Todd Monken, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, you know, he was the University of Georgia where I went to school offensive coordinator for the last two years when they won the national championship. This guy's like a mastermind. And he <laughs> he runs all these running plays into the Kansas City defense, which is like kind of goes against logic. And so then I'm thinking to myself, because I'm always like, you know, being yeah. this stuff out, like, well, maybe, maybe that's the script that they were talking about. <laughs> because why would he do those types of things? Or Dan right. Campbell, why would he why would he not kick the field goal? Like maybe that's where they pressure yeah. you to do something like mm-hmm. that. And that's- But, but they're you, all
2: kicking themselves you, they and, made And mistakes, then you just put this side and realize, right. I got
4: bills to pay. I got carpool. I got basketball. <laughs> Let's move on with real life and right. go grocery shopping.
2: Yes, exactly. So I love talking to you. End here with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives.
4: I think what, you know, it's like, slow down. That's, a, that's the number one, that's the best piece of advice I ever got. And I've got it from multiple people, whether it's how I talk on television or just, you know, always looking for the next thing in life. It's to slow down and be more present. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, you really appreciate that again until you have your own kids and you realize how fast they grow up. Um, and it's like, just, just got to be in the moment sometimes to really appreciate the uh, bigger picture stuff. And so that's what I... That's the, that's the piece of advice number one piece of advice I constantly give myself and because mm-hmm. it goes against my my nature but I think it's the best piece of advice out there
2: I like that It's really you know it's it's simple but it's true being mm-hmm. in the moment is what it's all about and if we could accomplish that I think we'd all be far happier I'm gonna We
4: were all warned that. right Ferris Bueller <laughs> told us just to stop and you know take a moment to yeah. appreciate things we should have listened more to those like uh, John Hughes movies
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on John
4: Great it was my pleasure Carol. hope to do it again.
2: Thank you so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I
5: had
1: a
3: shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,